Good weather here in Central Ohio, and I am just delighted to be here today. Uh, Dr. Joe, how you doing, girl? I'm good. You know, there's so much going on in this world today. I woke up with my heart a little bit. Better. Can you speak up just a little About. bit? Speak up just a little. Yes, can you hear me? That's better. Good, good. I am great this morning. There's a lot going on in the world, and I'm out and about today, as you know, and not in studio. Just looking around, wondering how I can try to be part of the solution in the world today, just trying to be part of the light. So that's my attitude as I start the day today. And I feel the same way. I don't know what the Lord is trying to impart on us, but I feel a sense of urgency to do everything I can to make this world a better place. And I know you feel the same way. And so do our very special guest today. I am so delighted because I have two people on standby on the phone who represent African-American achievement in the highest at the highest level. And I'm going to tell you about two of them. And you're going to hear their stories uh, firsthand today. And as we look at where we are as a race and our achievement and um, the fact that African-American people have been so uh, instrumental in making this world a better place, I'm just honored to be a part of their story. The first person I want to introduce to you is Todd Wilson. And Todd Wilson is the owner of Accelerated Laboratory Logistics, which was formerly known as Jacob's Moving and Storage. And he and his aunt are here today on the phone to tell their stories of how that family built a business that is now celebrating 101 years. Wow. I, I can't even think of another word that fits uh, DJ Mike, but wow. How about you, Dr. Joe? Wow. That's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> and um, I just want Todd to give us a welcome and uh, introduce his aunt. And then we'll come back to you, Todd, because you can wait. Can't Sounds you? good. Okay. Good morning, Dr. I. Yo, good morning to you both. Good and morning. And everyone there in the station. Um, it is a beautiful day, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to my aunt, Eleanor. Um, she is, uh, as you know, she's 101. She's an amazing woman, and uh, I'm so blessed to have her here uh, with us today and in just in my life in general. So I introduce you to my Aunt Eleanor. Aunt Eleanor, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How about yourself? Oh, I'm so good. You, you, you make me just want to leave the studio and come over there and be with you. I, I kind of put myself in your family if you didn't know that. Well, we're everybody's welcome. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, well, tell me how how was it growing up in Ohio? You you're from Springfield, but I know you moved here from uh, to be with the rest of your family. How was it growing up in Ohio when you were um, out, you know, working? Well, actually, I was born in born where. 
Yes, I was born in Columbus. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And I grew up there and uh, graduated from uh, South High School. Um, in fact, um, all of the children did. There were six of us. We all graduated from the same high school. Okay. And, yes. So uh, our roots are here in Columbus. <laughs> was South a black high school then? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, we probably, I'm going to say maybe there might be 10, 12 um, colored boys to ask you to the prom, the senior prom. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so as a result, I didn't go. <laughs> oh, you could make a decision. I understand. I never had that opportunity, but that's wonderful to hear. Y- you worked um, here in Columbus, correct? Yes, I did. I worked at um, Carmel Hospital. Um, I was their employment manager. Um, actually, I was hired as clerk typist, and um, the nuns were very good to me. They um kept sending me to management school and then finally I was the uh, employment manager and so I, um, when I married to uh, Alfred and moved to Springfield um, then I had uh, I was you know had been employed there for quite a while yes that must have been a, uh, a unique experience being the employment manager of a predominantly white institution Yes, it was, um, and I could see sometimes when the a particular nun would come for with a requisition in one hand and uh, to replace someone and a termination in the other. I could see her trying to remember whether or not um, what what she'd actually asked for in a little tray girl after school to serve meals. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. Look on her face, you know, like... Uh, wow. I could tell when she found out what I was. Oh, okay, okay. Um, did they treat you fairly? Oh, there, I am very well, yes. Um, I was promoted there and, and very happy there, actually. Um you know, the interviews were so much different then now with the advent of uh, all of the computers. Computers, yes. Mm-hmm. They are, um, the methods are so different now. Yes. Absolutely. Um, now, you were raising your family while you were working, too. Is that correct? Say that again, Iris. You were raising your family and working, too. Is that correct? Yes, I was. Um, uh, After 28 years of marriage, um, my husband, well, let me go back. Um, He served in the Second World War. And when he came back, um, he was not a homeboy anymore. Can you get right up to the phone, please? Yes. Okay. And so when he came back, um, he was not a farm boy with a home anymore. He was, you know, they used to sing a song. Um, how are we going to get him back on the farm after we've seen Paris? 
Okay, I never heard that one. <laughs> so uh, I had that experience, and that's why I went to work at Mount Carmel. And so they gave me the opportunities. Then when I went to Columbus, or to Springfield, married and uh, moved to, uh, to Springfield, uh, Dr. Goodson called me one Saturday and said, I hear you're commuting to Columbus. I said, yes. And he said, well, why don't you come and talk with me on Saturday? And so he hired me then as his uh, receptionist, and then I became his office manager. Wow, wow, that's excellent. Um, when you were a child, what values and and principles were you raised with back then? Not sure. Values. Oh, values. Yes, uh, my uh, mother and dad were uh, honest to a fault. Also, um, daddy was very um, motivated Oh, we had these six children. Um, over time, um, as each one would come, we'd another place around the breakfast table. And Daddy left for open the office at 7, and everybody had to be there and have breakfast with him. And he went around the table and kissed everybody goodbye when he left for work. And that went on all the years I lived at home. Wow, wow. Now, what what industry was he, your dad in? Pardon me? He was in the moving company. Oh, yes. Um, he started the business, the moving business, the year I was born. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yes, in 1921, and we were downtown. Um, the, the home was downtown on... Uh, but I want to say uh, 4th Street. And um, so everyone lived downtown, but his business was also down there. Uh, we had, um, I remember, no yards, no grass. It was all concrete corrupted building. And um, so when he bought the home on Stanley Avenue then, um, my mother said that she was um, couldn't put Sarah down, which was Todd's mother. Uh, couldn't put her down. She's afraid of grass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was probably just a baby because she was so caring Sarah. <laughs> and it was uh, there were quite a few stories about that. But then we moved to Stanley Avenue. Yes, we bought the home down there. And how yeah. did your father make this business a success? Do you remember what um, the strategies were, or what he did to uh, sustain the business when you were growing up? Oh yes, he was um, very regular in his leaving for office. The office opened at seven. And he was there at seven. Um, I can recall 
that his staff, um, Bob Montgomery specifically, was with him quite a few years. But, you know, they moved furniture back in the days before they had the dollies. Mm -hmm. And so they carried the, the furniture on their backs, you know. It's a lot different than moving nowadays. But, but he was a hard worker, and the doctor said that he lost 10 years from his life when he, from working on the trucks. So he worked along with the men. Um, also, they worked a six-day week. Oh, my. And we had the phone in the home all the time. I can remember as a teenager, <laughs> we were limited to three minutes on the phone because it was a business phone. Oh my gosh! Well, I I bet sometimes you might have run over three minutes. <laughs> Can you imagine how? <laughs> yeah, we had to get it to make arrangements to make mischief. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now you were the baby of the six children, or where were you in the group? <laughs> I was second uh, to the oldest. Okay, yes. second to the oldest. So you might have had a leadership role in some of the activities at home. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my mother was strict disciplinarian, and she said she was not running a democracy. <laughs> oh, so she was uh, kind of like a dictator. Yes, and... And then if you went to daddy for some help, you know, get through, get, get your way, he'd say, what did your mother say? Oh, so she was really the boss. <laughs> That's the way it should be, really. But when it came to the business, daddy was all business. I can remember my mother saying that the trucks had tires when the kids didn't have shoes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He made many sacrifices for the business, and so did we as children, really. Um, he was a hard worker, and we, we stayed right behind him all the way, all the years we were growing up. He was, you know, he was not um, a strict um, disciplinarian in the sense that he was always spanking it. He only he only uh, spanked one of us, and that was my sister Ruth. She would uh, say, "Well, you know, Mama, I think, and Mama, you're not supposed to think. That's what you got me for." Okay, okay. <laughs> I think they must have talked to my parents too, because I heard that before. Oh my goodness! Um, before we take a break, um, was your father's cust were they your customers mainly white businesses? Were the customers mainly white? Uh, yes, they were mainly. Uh, you know, things were different in those times because. You were, Can you speak up just a little? Yes, uh, people were different in those times. They catered to uh, whatever. Well, whatever Mr. Charlie wanted. <laughs> you <know>? Okay. <laughs> But uh, Daddy was, um, you know, he was the business and the worker and the drive, I think, that um, 
that made him successful during a depression and a second world war you know when you think about that that's um, many sacrifices rationing um it's it's just a um a time to remember to reflect and uh, you can see all of the changes are going on in the world now um, I often wonder what Daddy would have thought if he looked around today and would see the changes because he was pretty much down the line to, um, I think, very conservative. I, I, he was not, I remember a bottle of whiskey on the shelf in the kitchen. And I never saw it opened. I don't know who he would have offered a drink to. And certainly he didn't drink with them. He just was, um, what do I want to say? He was a man who saw to it that his children went to Sunday school. Um, and in those days, you know, we walked everywhere. We didn't have privilege of uh, daddy will you take me in the car <laughs> that didn't happen <laughs> so we walked everywhere but he saw to it that we that we had the things to go in and that we went and that mama w attended too um he was he was just a wonderful man um almost everyone who knew him wanted to be like mr jacobs and, you know, I think that means a lot to children as they're growing up. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a, a perfect experience to have an on-site mom and dad. And a lot of families these days don't have the privilege That's of having two parents. Now, where did he come from? What Was he from Ohio? Uh, yes. Well, let's see. He was um, from down around Hillsboro, Ohio. His family came up the Ohio River and got off at Cincinnati. And they must have made their way to um, Greenfield, Ohio. Uh, somewhere in those years, he went to school in Springfield. And actually, the school was right across the street from where I moved when I moved to Springfield. A company called Rollins now is uh, in there, a furniture company, a moving storage. But um, he went to school there through the eighth grade. There were many things he remembers from being young. Um, the prejudice existed then. He learned to navigate through those waters. As we, as we all have. Um, we're going to have to take a, another a break right now. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about, um, hopefully, some of the challenges that your father and your family um, had to endure um, as they developed this business. On And we'll be back on The Window. We're back on the window. 
Um, and we are delighted to have the matriarch of the Jacobs family here and her um, story of being on this earth 101 years. Um, tell, tell us about the role differences or similarities between African-American women back then and where we are today. You know, I remember my mother was a member of the Urban League. And um, she, she attended their meetings, of course. And um, she often said, though, that if it weren't for some um, white ladies, that we wouldn't have possibly gotten as far as we have. It sounded almost like, but for the women's influence. Um, I don't like to be negative about the men, but I think we see in a way, even today where if I say no, you know, you say, if I say yes, you say no. And so we see a lot of that, but the Urban League did a lot of work. Uh, see, I remember when we couldn't go to the YWCA. That changed now. We um, had our activities with the Boys Y. Even our ballet classes were held at the Boys Y. Um, Life has become interesting and primarily because of the YWCA. Uh, and it's only, I think, by working closely with people of like minds that you can accomplish things. And so, as I think about growing up in a white, white world, um, Sometimes I think it's not much different now, but we have learned to deal with it better. And so, um, don't let me get off on that. Oh, that's okay. We we, we appreciate your wisdom. And I would agree with you, and I'm sure Dr. Joe would too. The YWCA has made a difference. Uh, particularly with black women. Um, both Dr. Joe and I were very involved with the YWCA and still respect what they do. Absolutely. Um, and I think all of the organizations that have what I call come around, um, it, it's nice, though, to see progress, however it happens. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're one of the reasons that it happened because you're a role model for us today, black women, that you put to, put up with things that we didn't have to and we, we appreciate you. Now, um, just transitioning a little bit before I talk to um, Todd, you're teaching dancing, aren't you? You're teaching dancing. Yeah, but you know, I taught... Um when I retired, I was 62, and I went to the senior citizens 
to see what I could get into. And Pat simply was offering her keep moving class. And so I took that class. And about two years later, I got certified to teach. And in that pro- under the keep moving program, we had keep dancing, keep moving, keep swimming, um, keep walking, keep traveling. We covered a lot of aspects, but I branched off into the keep dancing because that I was ballet all my life, and uh, until I got to, out of high school, and um, so I taught the dance, and then. As the time went on, I was teaching the Keep Moving also, and I've been a happy volunteer for Keep Moving for over 40 years. And, I, and I'm still teaching Keep Moving, only we're doing it in a chair now. <laughs> so I would love to have anyone keep keep moving, even if it's in a chair. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. Dr. Joe, can, can you uh, offer any comments to this wonderful woman? I, I don't even know what I can say after listening <laughs> to Aunt Eleanor. I just want our guests who may have tuned in late to just guess how old she is. And then we're going to say once again that Aunt Eleanor was born the year that Todd's 100-year-old company was started. Is that correct? Am I hearing that correctly? Yes. Yes. Eleanor, how old are you? 101. I'll be 102 in in, uh, January. And, And you know, Iris, this is becoming more and more common that we have these beautiful people who are living to be 100 plus and still fully capable of talking to us about what's been going on in their lives and and if we don't cherish that and if we don't value that and if we don't learn from that we're missing such a huge opportunity i would encourage our listeners as we always do to send us feedback even now during the show if there's something you'd like to ask on eleanor you can do that at the window feedback at gmail.com the window feedback at gmail.com and we do try to respond to all of your your emails either after the show if that's when you send them to us or during the show but Aunt Eleanor you are such a treasure Dr. I at some point in the future perhaps we can just have a show that features our seniors and we learn so much from them and Todd I'm so sorry you've just been upstage we'll get to you in just a minute but um, <laughs> what a it's been um, to listen to your story Aunt Eleanor this is just but you know what? You are so right, Dr. Joe, because um, our history has to be preserved. That's one of the reasons that Dr. Joe and I decided to do this program was to record what was going on in the world right now so that our children and our grandchildren and other generations can hear the stories and the activities and the challenges that we've been facing. So we're just um, so blessed to have um, Aunt Eleanor here. And now we will allow her nephew, Mr. Todd Wilson, to tell us a little bit about who he is and what he's doing. Welcome, Todd. And thank you, Aunt Eleanor. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, everybody. So, what's up, Ty? 
Hello, Dr. Joe. How are you? You're right. You're right. She I'm great. Thank you, Todd. You you better work hard today, Todd, because we don't want you to bore. <laughs> I know. After listening to Aunt Ellen, I, what a tough act I to follow. Went, but thank you. I should have went first. Thank you for having her here. <laughs> well, thank you for having her, and it means a lot to me. And she's she's wonderful, and uh, I appreciate you having her on today. Tell us about your company, Todd. I believe you may have been. Our first guest on the window a year ago, 50-plus years ago. Oh, I'm sorry, 50-plus <laughs> no. um, shows ago. I'm, I'm speaking in Aunt Eleanor terms. <laughs> and so tell us about your business. For those of us who don't know you personally, and then I'll turn it back over to you and Dr. I. Okay. Well, as my aunt said, that uh, her father and my grandfather started the company in 1921, which was known then as Jacob's Transfer. And, of course, later, uh, after having some sons, the name of the business changed to Jacobs and Sons Moving in Storage. And uh, I came back and rebranded the company around 1990 to what it currently is today, which is uh, Accelerated Laboratory Logistics is the, the company that we function as now. And we are movers of research laboratories throughout the United States. So we actually go in and move scientific research equipment for people from, could be on site from one building to another. It could be from uh, one state to another. Um, but that, that is what we do today. And, and uh, very, very proud to be here with my aunt and her daughter, uh, my cousin Judy, and uh, to be on the program. And you grew up in Columbus, correct? I did. I grew up in Columbus and uh, on the northeast side of Columbus. I um, went to uh, uh, Ricks Elementary, uh, 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 went over to Eastgate, uh, graduated from Mifflin High School and, and went to college here at Franklin University. And then what did you do? Uh, after that, I actually while I worked through college I started working at the moving company from the time I was 15 um, and then I paid my way through college uh, moving um, furniture so uh, my classes were in the morning from 9 to noon then from noon till the end of the day whatever time that was I was moving furniture um, after I graduated uh, I went to work for Johnson & Johnson, the baby products company, and then uh, I went to work for another company called Beatrice International, and I ended up uh, back in Columbus working, selling uh, property and liability, uh, commercial property and liability insurance with Liberty Mutual, and that's when I got a call from my uncle about the business having some some issues, and uh, would I come back to, and of course I did. And so entrepreneurship was kind of like in your blood, correct? Definitely. Definitely. You know, my it's in our family DNA. Um, my grandfather started uh, the moving company. His brother, Virgil, um, and they were very, I will tell you, they were deep into the Columbus community. They were both Masons. But my uh, uncle, Virgil, had a grocery store. Um down off of Mount Vernon Avenue. And, uh, but subsequent to that, I've had other family members 
that have started their own business. Uh, my cousin Jimmy, uh, my cousin Chris, my uncle Denny, um, um, uh, Jim Qualls uh, was in the, for the TV uh, furniture business for a while. There, there's probably eight to ten businesses that uh, from that or more. Okay, okay. And so right now, tell us what that business looks like as of today. Accelerated today is, is great. I think, uh, you know, as people may not know, but we're, we're going to have a celebration on June the 10th out at our facility at 4001 Refugee Road um, at four between 4 and 7. If you come out there today, you'll see that we operate out of a 70,000-square-foot building that sits on eight acres. Uh, we canvass the entire United States. Uh, we have a, a training facility there now. We recently put um, a roof, new HVAC, new electric, um, a lot of infrastructure work at the business uh, to grow um, from where we are now to, to where I believe we can be down the road. So I'm very happy with what we do. Uh, we are certified to move, uh, segregate, pack, and move chemicals. We do the same thing with biological specimens. We also pioneered a way to keep those refrigerators and freezers running uh, while they're on a truck and monitor throughout a trip. So what we do is we are, is, is fundamental to the the basis of how we exist today from a healthcare position, uh, we're moving those items that really can change uh, people's lives. And if I'm correct, you are one of, you operate one of the oldest family owned African American companies in the nation. Yes. We would rank, if you're talking family owned or people that are in the family, we're probably in the top 10 in the United States and could be even less than that because there are businesses that are um, black owned uh, that are older but do not have family members in the businesses. In our business, we have probably today maybe four, five, or six, probably six family members that are working in the business still today, which I'm very proud of that. And that makes your business extra special to the community because when African-American people couldn't get jobs, they had to do something um, on their own. And your company is an example of what you can do if you have the will, you have the expertise, and you have support from your family. Family's huge for you, isn't it? Yes. It's amazing, and this event that we're having has even further galvanized and reinforced the family. And, I mean, I can't even tell you what it means to me to be sitting with my family today, and especially my aunt, uh, to talk to you about what we're talking about today. I've had family members calling up it and, know, and hearing about the event that I haven't talked to, and this is the importance. This is what I've always wanted is to have the family understand the importance, not just our family, every family, especially, you know, African-American families, black families, all we all need to understand the importance of heritage. 
and what it means because there's been a, a significant struggle uh, as a people, not just my family, to get where we are today. I can guarantee you it just wasn't my family that helped get us here. So it was my, it was our extended family too. Okay, we're going to need to take just a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the achievements and the reason that you made it to 101 years on the window. We are back on the window and we're talking to the matriarch of uh, Accelerated Laboratory Logistics, formerly known as Jacobs Moving. And we're talking to Todd Wilson, the current president. And I would like for you to share with our listening audience the highs and lows of operating a family-owned business. The highs and lows. Well, I can tell you without hesitation, the highs are working with family members. As a matter of fact, when we went off. Speak air, up a little bit, Todd. Yes. I said uh, the highs are, and we, we were just talking about this as we went into break, was uh, for me is the number of family members I get to work with. So um, we were just talking. So my cousin Dale, my cousin Mike, my cousin Jim, my uncle Virgil, my uncle Clarence, Jim Jacobs, my other uncle, and many other people, you know, when we work, I get to see family every day. And for me, that that is a high point. Um, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to put into words how it makes me feel. My son is there. My nephew was there. Every day I get to see them and work with them on a daily basis. Um, and what we do. Uh, the fact that we've changed from a company that used to move household items and now we've segued into moving uh, medical uh, laboratories, research laboratories and hospitals, that's a, that's a high point for, for me personally. I would say that the um, low points uh, are probably the things that everybody experiences in business, um, you know, uh, periods of racism, uh, economic uh, issues, just like we had with COVID just recently, um, uh, economic downturns like we had in 2008. Uh, those are the things that are the low points for me. Uh, but uh, just like getting up today on this beautiful day out here, uh, every day I get up, I, I just want to make every day a better day and move our company forward. And you're building, um, rebuilding that neighborhood over there, aren't you? We're trying to. So Refugee in Hamilton, Eastland? Eastland, yes. So we're putting probably right now a little more than a million dollars into the building. Uh, we just put a new roof on the building, uh, new HVAC units, um, new electric, new build-out, um, yeah, we, we've put a lot into, and as you said, to piggyback on what you said before, we're in the community. You know, it has been our um, drive uh, to not move outside of Columbus proper uh, to run the business and stay in opportunity zones where we can give our folk an opportunity to come and really excel and pretty much 
try to remove a glass ceiling, which if you work at our company, you can do that. So uh, the people that hire us uh, hire us because they love the quality of work that they get and um, our dedication that we, we bring to the table. I think that's what sustained us. And let me uh, transition just a little bit. Tell us about this collection of artifacts you've been collecting for the last 30 years. Well, as you can, as you know, I love history. If, you, if your grandfather started a business in 1921, it's pretty difficult not to love history. Um, and my father was a Tuskegee Airman. Uh, I had another grant. My other grandfather worked 50 years for the Pennsylvania Railroad. So I'm a big history fan and buff. Uh, but I'm a larger fan and buff of African-American history, the actual struggle uh, that is taken to get to where we are today. And, and over the last 35 years, I've pretty much collected um, everything that from – uh, that would deal from as a timeline from Africa um, into 1619 uh, up through the 1700s, the 1800s, the 1900s, and including 2000 with the um, uh, election of Barack Obama, Kamala Harris, and now uh, Judge Katinji Brown. So um, that's what that's what I've collected over those years. And you have started a nonprofit organization to protect these, correct? Yes, we're in the process of doing that now. So it's actually uh, under the Columbus Museum of African American History and Culture. Uh, and we're looking to have that uh, located out at our facility, according, uh, have a portion of the building uh, set aside uh, for that and for other events uh, to be held there. So. It could be a wedding, it could be an uh, anniversary, could be a recital, could be someone speaking. We really want to make it a cultural center and a destination uh, for people to come to uh, in the community and have it uh, woven in with the history of uh, black culture and, and African-American uh, uh, lives and, and chronicling that. Now, as we look at your future, and we've heard about your past, what advice can you offer? And I apologize for the static in this this system, but uh, what advice can you offer entrepreneurs, um, African-American entrepreneurs, uh, based on your legacy in the business? Well, I would say that, uh, number one, um, Anything is possible. Um, if you really want it, you're going to have to work for it. But I think there's a price to pay. As I listen to um, my aunt talk and, and thinking about myself, and there is a sacrifice that you have to make when you're in business. That I think that um, if you're not a, a business owner, that, that you don't go through. So I think being able to understand that there's going to be a significant uh, – commitment to that business uh, that's number one uh, number two to be dedicated number three make sure that you have a plan a business plan and a clear objective on where you want to go um, surround yourself with good people um, 
understand that you're not going to be able to do it yourself, that it is going to take other people around you to make it happen. Um, that, that would be, that would be, don't, don't get discouraged. <laughs> That's all I can say. And then, uh, make sure that you are putting more into the business than you're putting into your own personal pocket. Uh, if you want to grow your business, you have to make your business a priority. And, uh, we actually have a saying in the company that the business is the baby. And if we take care of the baby, the baby will take care of us. So none of us that work at Accelerated are putting ourselves before the company. You've got some long-term employees, don't you? I do. My uncle works there. Um, he's been there for over 30 years. Uh, Curtis Cook, another one of our employees, has been there for over 30 years. Uh, my assistant... Uh, Michelle has been there for over 30 years. So we have a lot of people that have been there 30 years, 25 years, 18 years. We're just blessed uh, to really have good people. And Colomo. Colomo. Uh, yeah, he's been there. Hasn't been there 30 years, but he's been there over 20, 20 plus years, close to 25. Yes. Well, I, I'm very proud that I have a relationship with uh, Accelerated that goes back 30 years. And I'm going to tell you how I got that relationship. I was fortunate to be a banker in central Ohio when there weren't too many African-American commercial lenders and even less women uh, in commercial lending. And um, I got introduced or I met Todd Wilson when he started the business. And I knew he was unique when I was working uh, late one night, like around 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and I called to leave a voicemail message for him about midnight, and he answered the phone. And from then on, I knew that this was someone that had an unusual level of dedication to success, and you've proven it over the years that you don't quit. You seek excellence in all that you do. And I think the fact that your employees are still there from the time that phone call to, to today um, tells the community that the commitment to excellence and to service is embedded in Accelerated Laboratory Logistics from the Jacobs family. Well, Iris, I appreciate that. And if you would hear my aunt talk about her father, he demanded excellence. And that is one thing that he strove for. And, um, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to be a member of the family and carry on the legacy of my grandfather and what he started. Um, I'm hoping to have this opportunity to pass on to, again, my cousin, um, my nephew, my son, and any other family members that want to participate in the business, uh, it means that much to us. It means that much to me. Dr. Joe, you got some comment for us for this wonderful show? Well, Todd, I didn't think you'd be able to do it. I didn't think you'd be able to engage us to the same extent that your aunt did. <laughs> but you have said such a mouthful in just the laundry list of tips that you gave for businesses. And, and we are Central Ohio-based, and so we're very proud to have you as part of, of our community. But certainly what you've said is relevant 
to our listeners who are all over the country. And so we could take each one of the points you made about business success and have a whole show on that. But but in our wrap-up moments, I, I just want to, to talk about the concept of longevity because that's what you and your family and your business represent. And in particular, just the brilliance of your vision to say, gee, I've, I've been moving furniture, but the environment is changing. I can now come up with a whole new model of how to keep my business rolling. Talk to us for just a moment about vision. Where did you get this vision to transform your company, and what advice can you give to other businesses about being that savvy? Well, uh, the need, the vision came from the fact that really at the time when I came back to the company, when my uncle called, um, this was in the, uh, I would say, late 80s, maybe 1980, uh, 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happened was the one thing that I realized is in 1989, there were approximately 79 to 80 movers within a 20-mile radius of downtown Columbus. And um, we just weren't going to be able to be, when a person came in and because our company is black, they would feel like we should have the lowest price. Uh, the problem with that is you can't run a business being the lowest priced option and keep that business viable. So uh, at that point, Dr. Joe, um, it really became a, a necessity to try to find a better, um, a better option in something that was more sustainable and it had more growth potential and, and less, and less traffic. And, um, I had an opportunity to do a job, uh, with a gentleman, uh, in, uh, in a laboratory one time. And after that, we developed a friendship and, um, that was the the way I had actually worked with Johnson and Johnson. It seemed to move that I thought one day, but we might be able to do something like that. But until I met this gentleman, um, I I really I didn't even know what we could what we could do. And then uh, once we got on the vision, the the track of that yes we could do this, it became my linear focus to learn how to move chemicals and, and refrigerators and freezers. And even today, we're on our eighth generation of a truck uh, on moving these items. So it's been a long time coming. We have a lot of proprietary equipment that we use to move this. But uh, that's, the vision came from survival. And had we not changed, there's a good chance we wouldn't be having this phone conversation today. What a great message of survival, as you said. I called it longevity, but survival, especially in this day and age when we're looking at perhaps an economic downturn, when we're looking at um, challenges that minority companies in particular continue to face. So thank you for sharing our vision. How do we do what we call shameless plugs? And so if someone listening would like to get in touch with you or learn more about your 100-year history or do business with you, how would they do that? You can get in contact with us by going to our website, which is Accelerated Moving. That's A-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-D-M-O-V-I-N-G.com. Or you can call or you can contact me directly at T. Wilson at AcceleratedMoving.com. That's T-W-I-L. 
S O N at A C C E L E R A T E D M O V I N G dot com. Um, and I would love to hear from you. And you can also. Todd, thank you. We're going to do a, a shameless plug for the window as well and stress <laughs> once again that you were our very first guest a year ago, and, and we're so honored um, that you've been part of our family. You can listen to all of our past shows, including Todd's back in, oh my gosh, March of 2021, maybe. You can go to our website, thewindownow.com, thewindownow.com. Dr. I, I'll turn it back over to you. Oh, thank you. I was just thinking about how his vision incorporated technology in a, a business that was primarily manual. And I heard the story had no idea what he was talking about but as a banker i said well sounds pretty good and then i went i went back and did some research on it and found out that it made sense and here we are uh 30 years later 100 for you but that's another message if you don't have a technology component in your business i'll see you later because it's not gonna last unless it's some kind of miracle but at any rate you are the example todd wilson and aunt eleanor and the jacobs family and accelerated laboratory logistics we are all claiming you and we are all going to celebrate that centennial with you all next weekend a hundred years here in central ohio todd any final words for us i love your show I can tell you the thing that I love about the show, Dr. Joe and Dr. I, I just love the topics and I, you're uh, unafraid to go after anything. And my family and I feel privileged today. So on behalf of my aunt, myself, our company and our entire family, uh, we just want to thank you so much for having us on today. And God bless you. God bless you too. And God bless you, Dr. Thank Joe. You so thank you. And everybody go to our Facebook page, The Window like us and also stay tuned for posts about our summer schedule as we take this show we are going into the summer and we're going to take a slight breather but we're going to continue to air some live shows as well as highlights from the past year so todd have a great time at that celebration goodbye everyone and enjoy this beautiful weekend god bless